All right, folks. Uh, good afternoon. Um, so thanks for coming to our seminar today. Um, following on from yesterday, um, where we looked uh, a little bit about God being our waymaker, we're going to continue that theme over today's seminar and tomorrow's seminar. And today we're looking a bit at navigating challenges. How, how do we navigate those difficult times along our journey? So yesterday we looked at different journeys that we're on. We spoke a little bit about Exodus and how at times during the Exodus journey, you know, people came to very a lot of hardships, a lot of things they didn't know how they were going to get through, but God made a way through for them. And we're going to continue that on today. So we're going to do a few things. We're going to get you to talk to each other and then maybe feedback. And then also a few wee things to do um, physically. So the first thing I want to, to ask you to do is to talk to the people around you and see if there's ever been a story or a time that any of you has got a bit lost. So have you, any, have you got a story about getting lost at any particular point in time in your life? So chat to those around you for a wee minute. Alright, would anybody like to share any of their stories about getting lost? Anybody got a story they'd like to share? But Now you don't have to come up to the microphone, you can shout it out from where you are. But was there ever a time that you got lost and you're willing to share that story with us? Anyone? Oh, Paul? I got lost once. I was in Mark's Spencer's with my mum. I got sick. Right. And I was following her around, she had a red dress on. And I followed this red dresser amongst the dresses really bored and I looked up and it wasn't my mum. Oh. Someone else wrote the address. Oh no. <laughs> poor Paul, poor little Paul. We're glad they, they found you. Anybody else want to share a story? Oh, we've got a story over here, yes? Uh, we got lost in Ross Trevor Forest a couple of years ago on holiday. Right? Apparently, we were like five years ago apart. We couldn't dance, we were just like in under, and like I don't know what we were doing. <laughs> like, we didn't know where we were going. And was it your whole family? Yeah, four of us. All four of you? All four of us. All lost in the forest? Yeah. Right, and were you panicking? Yeah, kind of, but also not really, because we could see a path on the other side of the river. We just then crossed the river and... Find your way back. <laughs> Excellent, very good. You didn't have to bear grills it in the end. You didn't have to make makeshift tents or anything, no. Slide down, side of like a... Like, you know, cross the river on the stepping stones, but other than that, it was fine. Very good. Okay, good, good. Anybody else ever get lost? Oh, here we go. Getting lost in Belfast. Lost in Belfast. So driving around and I had to uh, check where I was going three separate times. Oh really? Very good. Even though I live in the city. Even though you live in the city? Yeah, I once went to a speaking event and I was like, I was so ready, I was going to be, able to be there like half an hour early and I trusted my satnav to get me to this church and when I arrived where the satnav told me the church was, I was just looking at a row of garages out the back of a house, loads of houses, like, where is this church? And I drove to this nearby shop, no one had a clue where this church was. I eventually phoned my dad and said, do you know this church? Oh yeah, I know where that is. And I managed to get there literally two minutes before the service thing was starting. And they all thought I'd forgotten to come. I was there just in time. Okay, anybody else got a story about getting lost? Oh, David, you've got a story? I'm going to a wedding. Right. In Dublin. I'm to a church that was Right. I didn't realise that Dublin has two great roads with churches on them. Right. And we went to the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> we got to the wedding. Oh man, I would have loved it if there had been a wedding on at that wrong church that you went to and you went in and went, this is a very different wedding, I didn't expect to be here. <laughs> Do you know, I, I've, I've never really got properly lost, but I remember when I was really young, so I would have been about 
eight or nine, my number about ten, my younger brother, who was two at the time, he got lost at a caravan park. And when I say lost, I mean properly lost, lost. We couldn't find him anywhere. And like literally the whole caravan park was out hunting for my two-year-old uh, little brother. And my mom was panicking and tears and dad's panicking. And we're, the local police were being called out. This was down in a, camp, a caravan site down in Wexford. Local police were called out to come and look. Me, me personally, I thought it was a lot of wasted man effort, to be honest with you. I, I felt the family was fine with me and my sister, but that was a side issue. But eventually, look, look, do you know what we found? him it was a really hot day he had literally crawled out so he walked out of the of the caravan walked out of the awning walked under the caravan and gone to sleep in the shade underneath the caravan and he had slept there i'm not joking for the guts of like two or three hours because we were all out hunting for him everywhere and now someone had checked under the caravan but it just not spotted him so that's where he was in the end so you know so in the end our, our family was back to three yay but, uh, but we found him right so our journeys of life, we're talking a little bit about our journeys. And so yesterday we looked at some of the journeys that we've been on. Some of us have maybe got lost. At times maybe we don't know what to do, how to not be lost, how to find our way back. Sometimes it might be a wee bit worrying, like in your experience in the forest. But then you find your way and so on. And getting lost throughout life can be an issue for us as well. Sometimes we feel a wee bit lost in a different way. Like we're not sure what to do or where we're going. You know, God can find a way through for us through all of these different times and situations. And life really is a wonderful journey. And it's great to think about the different places that life has taken you. I'm sure if you were to stop and think for a moment now about some of the places that your life has taken you to that you never imagined, that you never thought you'd be, and the experiences that you had on it, you'd think, wow, it's been a lot of places I ended up going where I never expected to. And a lot of great things and experiences that I've had that I've never expected. Maybe some of you are here and you never really expected to be here maybe it's a completely new thing for you first time you're trying it and hopefully you're really enjoying it and so on but I love that life can take us in different places and bring different people into our life so at the big house we have a couple of programs that we run one's called steady another one's called shaken and I'm going to read a little thing to you here from our, our steady um, uh, book that we have and it's a little bit of the book that we call the trail and the idea is, I want you to just kind of take a bit of time to sort of sit back and just sort of reflect on, on what's being said. So you can close your eyes. You can lie down if you're in nice comfy beanbags. There's like three more or four more beanbags. There's cushions here. Or you can just relax in your chair. You can close your eyes if you like. Um, but I want you just to try and imagine being on this trail as I read out what, what we have in our book. And this is a little bit of a... An idea too, life is so busy, our journeys are so busy, that at times we just need to sort of take a wee moment to, to breathe and to just relax. So hopefully you'll find this quite relaxing as well. I know I have very relaxing uh, dulcet tones here, clearly. But anyway, in Philippians verse 4 and 1 it says, Friends, I do want the very best for you. Don't waver. Stay on track, steady in God. So if you want to lie back or relax or close your eyes, I'm going to start reading this little trail. It takes about four minutes or so to go through it. So, imagine that there is a trail in front of you. There are many roads and other trails, but this trail is unknown to you. From what you can see, it looks interesting, full of twists and turns with plenty to see and notice. An unknown trail with unknown challenges ahead. Intrigued, you begin to run. The setting is beautiful when you remember to lift your head up and see where you are. 
and not just focus on what, where you're stepping. There are signs along the way to show you where to go next, to encourage you at how well you are doing. Your name is even on these signs. You like this trail. It feels different, has potential, possibilities, so much to explore and experience. Then you see the first water station, and there's support there, help for you, to keep you going on this trail. Some parts of this path are uphill, and they take a great effort. And in these toughest sections, there are first aid stations for those who are hurt and need help. There's water for those who just need to pause a moment. And there's people there to cheer you on, to encourage you, even at the times that you feel like giving up. And again, these people know your name. You can do it, they say, as you start to reach a mountainous climb. At the top of the mountain, there are incredible views. It is worth the struggle it took just to get to the top. It's beautiful. You look all around and take it all in. How wonderful it is. The clear air, the beautiful views on every side, and you breathe and relax. Then you begin your descent, and you feel light and good, as good as you've ever felt. And you're moving like you've never moved before. But then the path suddenly gets a bit mucky. And soon after this, the trail gets a bit darker. You wonder where the mountainous view has gone as you can just about see your next step. You realize that this trail is challenging. It's full of the unexpected. It's exhausting, but also invigorating. It feels like life. You feel enlivened on it, but also daunted, excited, yet nervous but you want more of it. As you keep going, waiting for the light to return to your steps and the view to return, you're struck by just how many other people there are around you. You can hear them. You realize you're not alone on this trail. The darkness lifts and you see their faces, their bodies. This trail hasn't been easy for anyone. You can spot those who have been exploring this trail for years. They have grown more strength when strength is needed. Yet the trail is still surprising even them and challenging them too. Hidden obstacles, injuries, unexpected animals, other people, all able to cause stumbles and falls. You see new people and experienced on the trail, all together, all different, yet each challenged. Enlivened, keeping going, giving all that they can, running their own trails, yet doing it together. The trail is like no other you've ever been on. It has won your heart. It's won your mind and it's won your strength. It has won all of you. It has been amazing. It is amazing. You have been celebrated and encouraged on this trail, even when you felt out of strength. You have been stretched and seen wonderful things. You have felt like you've never felt before, even though at times you really hurt. You are fully you and fully alive. This trail is a picture of what our life can be like when we begin to set our minds and hearts on God. When we begin to run towards God. The trail God has for your life is amazing. It has challenges, choices and incredible experiences. Your life may have twists and turns, 
highs and lows, unexpected hurdles and falls. But as we run this trail towards God, we are not alone. There are others who are running with us, experiencing the challenge and the excitement. There are others who are there to support and to help us, and also for us to help and support. There are encouragements along the way. There is experience of life at its fullest, and you at your best. Not forgetting that on God's trail, you are known by name. And you are encouraged by him until you reach the end. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed that little kind of uh, walk through the trail of maybe life. And I'd like you to take a minute now again to chat to those who you've come with or here around you about what's been some of the great moments on the trail that's been your life so far. Well, just share a couple of your favorite moments so far in your life with the people who you're, who you're, who you're with. Okay, so would anybody like to share what, what some of those high moments in their life or great experiences were? Does anyone want to share anything? Yes? Um, just traveling to different countries, so Cambodia and Lebanon, I've traveled to, just experiencing the different cultures and seeing the history of those. Um. Brilliant. So traveling to different com- countries, their, their culture, their food, the experience, Cambodia and Lebanon, you said. Wow, very good. Brilliant. Great moments. I'm sure you'll remember for years and years and years. Anybody else? Any of the highs? I've been to Kazakhstan, you know, and I've been there for working with church plants and with people. So the highlight was going to Xinjiang. Well, it's quite hard. 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 Working with church, absolutely brilliant, very good. Anybody else? A high moment in there, the trail that's been their life? Marriage. Marriage? Okay, very good. Your wife's not here, that's a good high moment. I'm sure she'll be pleased to hear that that's one of your high moments. I was about to go to low moments, so it's good it didn't come up then. (laughs) Okay, so again, thank you very much for sharing. What have been a couple of the low moments? Would you like to share that with those here around you as well? Some of the low moments in your journey? Okay, would anybody like to share any of what the low moments are? Again, don't have to. Feel free not to, but if you... Anybody like... Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, so you your one of your highest high moments at Kazakhstan, also a low moment when your bag was, was stolen with all your stuff in it and your passport. Okay, anybody else? Any of the lows? Yeah? Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. That was a very moment. Yeah. So your your yep. So your father passed away when you were 12, and that's a that's a horrendous thing. And we we pray for you in that as well. And um, it's amazing you're able to speak to it about it there in in such a strong way. You know, even now six six years later, did you say? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that as well. And anybody else? A little moment. Oh, yep. Yeah. 
mother and my aunt died so many years ago. Right. Ah, yes. Yeah. So losing loved ones and so on and things like that are definitely some of the lowest moments that we experience in our lives and the hardest moments that we experience. What I'd like to, to chat briefly amongst yourselves now is who or what helped you get through those times? So those lower times, can you chat maybe to some of the people beside you? Was there anybody or, or who helped you get through those times? Okay, so we're not going to ask just at the minute for any feedback on that little bit, but um, I want to talk to you a little bit about a couple of things which I've experienced, um, but as well as that, just a few folk in the Bible. If we look right through scripture, we see so many different journeys. We see so many different paths and highs and lows. Yesterday we reflected a little bit about the Israelites and their journey out of Egypt and just some of the difficulty that they came across, you know, not knowing exactly where they were going, being really guided by God to the promised land and in amazing and wonderful ways. God guided them during the night with a pillar of fire. He guided them during the day with a pillar of smoke. They faced different trials and different things which caused, you know, them fear and issues. Of course, getting to the Dead Sea, and we talked about how that was a real moment where they felt, how do we get through this? How we, this is it, we're done for, there's no way past this. And sadly at times in life we can get the moments where we think that as well, that how am I supposed to get through this? There is no way through this, and we can't see it. And they had to rely on God, and God showed up for them in an amazing way and made that way through the, 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 the Dead Sea for them, the Red Sea for them to get across, and protected them and looked after them. God provided lots of different things for them on that trip. We also looked at Joseph's life, up and down, roller coaster life, highs and lows, you know, wonderful times and terrible times. And we can all say, no matter the youngest of us in here, that we have had times which have been really good and times which have been really low. Times where we have just been on cloud nine, like in our trail, that mountain is high where everything is just great. And then other times when things seem dark and murky and we can barely see our foot in front of us and we don't know which way to turn or what to do. And navigating these difficult times in life can be very hard. But God has blessed us with lots of different things in our lives to help us through those, those things. And not just him. We can rely on him, but he's also put things and built people in our lives that we can turn to to help us through those difficult moments and those difficult times. And God is always there for us, no matter what and no matter when. You know, if we look at the story of the life of David, David starts off as a shepherd boy. And he finds his way to the battlefield, bringing food to his brothers, and he sees what's before them. This giant this Goliath, this giant, this Philistine, and who's offered to fight their champion. And of course, if their champion wins, the Philistine army, it will, it will give in and they'll become their slaves. But if Goliath wins, then the Israelites have to bow to him. And David sees this massive giant and no one wants to fight him. Now Saul turns to David and says, look, I have a way, because David says he wants to fight him. And what does Saul do? Saul gives David all of the armor. And in fact, Saul sort of looks, well, the only way to defeat this guy, you're going to need all the armor you can get. You're going to need the finest armor you can get. And so Saul equips David with his own armor. The finest, he would have had the best. He's the king. He would have had the best, the strongest armor. And David looks at it and goes, this, this is not going to work for me. This isn't going to work for me. And he goes out to face Goliath without all of that armor. He would have been the only one on that battlefield the enemies and his own people included that was standing there with no armor. They would have looked at him and thought, this, this is over in a heartbeat. 
David went out trusting in God, trusting that God would help him through this situation. He just declared his faith and his trust in God before everyone, and he defeated the, the, the giant. He defeated Goliath. And he did it with God. The way that all everyone else thought was, no, you need a sword, you need armor, you need weapons. But God showed him a different way because God has shown him that way ever since he was small. Ever since he was young and a shepherd and God had protected him and given him such a great ability with that sling. And he relied on that great ability to defeat that giant. You know, God shows up for us in amazing and wonderful ways. You know, scripture is full of telling us, you know, about you know, Jesus being our shepherd and that the shepherd guides the sheep and the sheep follow the shepherd and he leads them to good grass, to good pasture, to good nourishment. He protects them from danger. He keeps them safe. He watches over them. There's that wonderful passage in Luke where it says that even though he had a hundred sheep when one was missing, the shepherd went and found the missing sheep. You know, there's countless you know, young people and, and people here. And God calls, cares for every single one of us and is watching over all of us. You know, when you really think about it, some of the imagery about shepherd and sheep in the Bible shouldn't really work for us in Ireland. It's, because if you've, ever been, if you've ever encountered sheep here in Ireland, do they ever follow the shepherd? You ever, have you ever seen sheep following a farmer here in Ireland? It doesn't happen, does it? I got stuck in a road recently. I got stuck driving behind a whole flock of sheep and they were right the way across the entire road, stumbling over each other, climbing over each other, bashing into each other, to try and get them to go where the farmer wanted them to go. He was on a quad. There was another guy on a quad. There were two people up ahead. There was a guy walking with a stick. There was two dogs. So just to get these sheep to go where they wanted them to go, it took five adults and two dogs, and the sheep were still going haywire everywhere. A friend of mine was over in Tunisia, so we're talking about journeys and traveling. He was over in Tunisia and was on a bus tour actually to go and visit the Star Wars set site where they filmed Star Wars. Got a Star Wars fan here, we see. He was going to visit the Star Wars sets in Tunisia where they filmed the first Star Wars movie. And when they were driving along, he looked out the window and he saw this man walking with just a long line of countless sheep walking along behind him in single file. And my friend who's from Ireland, he was totally blown away with this. And he said to the tour guide, can I ask, how is this guy trained these sheep to just walk along behind him like that? To follow him in a straight line? Because he, like all of us, is thinking about the sheep here. Where it's chaos. You need dogs, you need quad bikes, you need sticks to get them to go where they need to go. And the tour guide looked at my friend as if he'd got three heads and said, well, what do you mean? What else would they do? They have to follow the shepherd to get the grass and the water. And all of a sudden he was seeing an image of all the stuff in the scripture becoming so, so much more powerful to him. Because here, if you like, our sheep have everything everywhere that they need. There's grass all over this country. They could wander in any direction and they're going to get plenty of food and nourishment and water. They have so much that they, turn their, they don't seem to feel the need to rely on the shepherd, on the farmer to guide them. And sometimes that's a bit like us in life. We have so much around us that we forget to rely on God. And then that means when we get into difficulty and hard times, we're again maybe not remembering we need to rely on God. Whereas these sheep over in Tunisia in this dry, deserty type country, they know I need to follow the shepherd to get to where the good grass is, to get to where the water is, or I'm going to be lost. I'm not going to have what I need. And this imagery in scripture reminds us that we need that. 
Now we have the word unique here on the board and our, each of our journeys is unique. Even though we've done some of this journeying through our life with other people around us, our closest friends, our family, and we've been there for different parts, each one of us is unique. Even from our own brothers and sisters, you know? And the things that we experience, the highs and lows, will impact us in different ways and affect us in different ways. And the ways in which we get through them will be different as well. You know, I saw a thing during COVID where you used to hear the phrase, oh, well, we're all in the same boat. But I saw this picture which said, actually, when you think about it, we're not all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we're in very different boats. And I thought that really rung true with me. I, felt, I thought that was a very good way of putting it. You know, whenever we, we will experience storms in life, but because we're all unique, the way in which we navigate them and get through will be very different. You know, one of our programs that we run in the big house called Shaken, we emphasize just the importance of these three things here, of talking, of listening, and looking or being aware. You know, whenever we go through difficulty, we need to talk about it. You know, God has blessed us in this life with so many good people around us, so many people who we journey this life with. And it's important when we're struggling that we open up to these people, whether it's you know, close friends, family, a trusted adult, maybe a youth leader or a coach or something or a school teacher, maybe even a counselor if you need to go for some counseling, and of course talking to God. He wants to be there for you to help guide you through those difficult times. You know, we talk about listening as well, making sure that we're listening and hearing other people's experiences and other people's stories because when we listen to others, it can make us feel less alone. We can, can realise, okay, there's someone who's been through something similar to me. Now, because we're unique, it might have affected them in different ways, but you can learn bits from listening to their story about what maybe helped them through or worked, them, worked for them, and you can take from that little bits that might help you. It also helps you to realise that you're not alone in all of this. Even though we're unique, it doesn't mean that that isolates us and makes us on our own, and that no one would understand. And so we can learn through hearing other people's stories, strategies or ways or ideas that might help us through as well. And if we listen to those who love us, who are wanting the best for us, we will hear good advice and care and help and comfort and words of encouragement. And especially when we look to scripture and we see all of these situations that God helped people through. You know, God can help us through or help us in incredible ways. I want to tell you a story about one of the high points in my life. And I, I'm going to tell you two things about this trip. One is sort of much more deep and spiritual for me. The other is a bit frivolous and fun. But I'll, I'll tell you the, the spiritual one first. So I got the opportunity to go to Brazil a, whole, a lot of years ago. Got the opportunity to go to Brazil, totally free, all expenses paid. I had to go to this big conference called the International Christian uh, Church Conference, and I just had to be a delegate. I had to go and experience it and enjoy it and write a report about it when I got back. Couldn't believe my luck. Going to Brazil, totally free. I had to stop over in Sao Paulo for two days and then fly down to another city, city called Porto Alegre. I got to Sao Paulo on the Saturday, and I was going to spend all day Sunday there and then fly out again on Monday. And on the Sunday, I thought, oh, in Brazil, all the football matches are played on a Sunday afternoon evening. And I'm a massive football fan. I was like, oh, I've got to go and see if there's a football match. And I checked out, and sure enough, that evening at 6 p.m., there was a match between Corinthians and Santos. And I thought, oh, that would be a great match to go to. 
So in downstairs in the hotel, I said, listen, I'd like to get go into the city centre. How do I get there? And he said, oh, no, 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 oh, you're on your own. I was like, yeah, no, too dangerous, too dangerous. So he's like, no, no, I'd really like to go in and explore and go to this football match. No, no, don't, don't go to the football match. No, no, far too dangerous, not on your own. But I said, no, listen, I really want to go. So they told me to get this little bus into the city centre, get a train, uh, or sorry, a little bus to the train station, train station into the city centre. So that's what I did. And I prayed to God, very simple prayer. Dear God, please keep me safe today and let me get back to the hotel safe and sound that night. So go into Sao Paulo, explore Sao Paulo, like you were talking about earlier, explore the culture, explore the city, explore the food. And then I went to the tourist information and said, hi, how do I get out to the football stadium? And the guy was like, who, who are you going with? I'm like, oh, I'm on my own. No, no, don't go. Very dangerous. Too dangerous for foreign tourists. I'm like, no, I'd really like to go. So he told me where I had to go. He told me to get this bus called four, number 435 bus from this particular street. So off I walked. I waited for the bus. The match was kicking off at six. There was no bus by half four, no bus by ten to five. Five past five, four, three, five bus arrives. Totally bunged. And I mean bunged, not like our buses here. Bums hang out of windows. The front door wouldn't shut because there's people standing in the stairwell. And it just drove on past. And I was like, oh, come on. Waited for another, I thought, I'll wait till half five. If there's no bus by then, I'll pack it in. Finally, a bus came and I got on it. Totally cramped. The bus driver had given up even charging people to get on it. I'm stood there. These three big massive dudes, like Vin Diesel type looking guys, just looked at me and went, uh, you, you American? You American? And I'm like, no, no, no. I was like, yeah, you rich American? And I'm like, no, no, I, I'm a poor Irishman. I'm a poor Irishman. And they go, oh, Ireland. And one of them goes, Ireland, yes, Guinness. Guinness good, like this. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then this other big guy taps me on the shoulder, like, yeah, Guinness, okay. M- me, Colombian cocaine better and I was like right right, okay so I'm thinking this is getting dodgy here and I think am I getting mugged when I get off this bus bus stopped again this other guy jumped on looked at me sized me up and said are, are you with these guys who are you with I said no I'm on my own this guy introduced himself as William and he said I'm a local sports journalist but I'm just going to the match tonight as a fan. Are, are you on your own? I said, yes. And he said, it's very dangerous. Now, William was a nice guy. Not great on tact. He said, very dangerous for foreign tourists. Two British tourists got stabbed last week and all their money taken. Like, right, okay. Not very encouraging. But anyway, he said, listen, when we get there, I'll walk you down to the stadium. So we get off the bus. The other guys give me high fives and I felt bad for judging them. Off they went. The... Ultras arrived and their Harley Davidsons firing guns in the air, flares in the air. They drove down with all their signs saying Corinthians or die. So I immediately was a Corinthians fan that day. I thought, forget Santos, I'm going for Corinthians here. So I bought a Corinthians t-shirt. But anyway, walking down, William said, look, that's the queue to get in to buy a ticket. He said, I've got my ticket and I'm, I'm going off to enjoy the match. But he said, listen, if you get a ticket, there's a big statue. Come back to this statue after the match. And I'll meet you here and I'll help you get the bus back into town. And I said, well, thank you very much. And off he went. Now, it's already starting to get dark. It gets dark in this part of Brazil about 6 p.m. all year round. So it's already starting to get dark. dark. And the little streets, they don't have streetlights like our streets. They're very dark. So he said, I'll wait for you. So I thanked him. Off he went. Stadium of 55,000 people. I get in this big, long, winding queue. And I said another little simple prayer. I said, dear God, please let me get a ticket. And please let me find William after the game. So queue, get round, wee tiny concrete wall, little tiny hole, put my money in, take, wait for ticket, but ready. Out came a ticket, took my change, and off I walked. 
And like everybody here who's done with any ticket, you follow the wee instructions, walk to the big gate, walked in the, into the door I had to go, walked up the flights of steps I have to go, walked up to the row, and I get to the end of the row, and I hear, Chris? And I look to the, along the row, and there's William. And I start walking in along the row, and my ticket is for the seat right next to William. He snatches the ticket out of my hand, and he goes, what? How did you get this ticket? And I was like, I just asked for a ticket, and this is the ticket I got. He's like, what? His mind was just exploding. My mind's exploding. And I said to William, I said, I don't know if you believe in God, but I prayed that I could find you after the game. I think he's put me in the seat next to you. And William's like, what? He just said what for about 10 minutes. And then I said, I said to him, like, honestly, I think God's done this. And I then started to speak to William. Now, William, sadly, he had had a few lows in his life, and that really damaged his faith. His wife basically had left him for another man and taken both his children with him, with her. And he was devastated. And that destroyed his faith. And he said, I don't believe in God anymore. I don't. And he explained to me why. And so we ended up having this very, while the teams were warming up, this deep conversation about faith. And every so often, William still just snatching the ticket off and going, what? I couldn't believe it. Then the man that came and sat in the seat beside me, he heard me talking to William and he goes, sorry, are you from Northern Ireland? And I said, yes. And he said, well, my sister lives there now. And I was like, what? She said, yes. She went to Queens for a year out to study, met a man there, fell in love, finished off her university course there, and has married, married him and now lives over in, in Northern Ireland. He said, it's, it's in a little town called Jordanstown. Do you know it? And I was like, I live in Jordanstown. At the time I was living in Jordanstown. Now, I would love to tell you that I knew his sister, but I didn't. Didn't know his sister. But she actually lived only two streets behind where I was living at the time. And he had all these brilliant little Brazilian like, versions of like jambons and sausage rolls and shared it with me and William during the match. Afterwards, William and I are walking out. William said, so you get in the same bus back? And I said, yeah. And he said, where are you going? I said, I'm going to the train station. He said, oh, that's great. I'm going to the train station too. So we got the bus to the central train station, talked about the match, still talked about God, talked about the guy next to me and his sister and so on. Get to the train station. I said, right, I have to go to the platform eight here. And William was like, that's where I'm going. He said, where are you staying? So I told him the hotel I was in. He said, that's two buildings down from my apartment block. So in a city of eight million... I was with a guy who was literally two buildings up from my apartment block. And the next day, I went and had breakfast with him in a wee cafe around the corner, and he drove me to the airport. And off I flew to the next part of the thing. And that, I was there basically on my, on my own in Brazil for the guts of 10 days. And that told me right there and then that God is with me wherever I go. That God is willing to help me in ways that I can't even imagine. He's also, it also taught me another thing. I wouldn't have, in a million years, dreamed of even praying, Dear God, can you get me a ticket for the seat next to William? I would not have done it. It wouldn't even enter my head, because I would have thought, That's asking a bit much, isn't it? That's going a bit too far. All I prayed was, God, can you help me find William after and let me get a ticket? But God can go beyond what we ever even think. He can help us in difficult situations or in situations where we feel a bit uncomfortable or a bit anxious or a bit worried in ways that we can't even imagine. And there's nothing too big or too little. Because God answered a little prayer in a big way. A little prayer for a football match ticket. But it had a powerful impact and moment on my faith and my faith journey. Now the other thing, and Paula, where's Paula? Oh Paula, if you could give out my wee pizza things. So, the other great experience I had on that trip to Brazil. 
went to this pizza restaurant with some of the guys that I met at the conference. One of them kept going, it was this great pizza restaurant, we've got to go to it, got to go to it. It's like, okay. So I went to this pizza restaurant, and at this pizza restaurant, there was, every table had like a disc at the end of the, of the table. Half the disc was green, and half the disc was red. And you basically paid money to get in. At the time, it was 20 reals to pay to get in. And now in Brazil, that's quite a bit of, it's a decent amount of money. At, at the time, it translated to a fiver for us, so we felt we were getting a bargain. So you went in, you got your seat, and basically, when your disc at your table was green, all of these different waiters with all these different pizzas would come and stand by your table. And you would look at the different pizzas and say, I'll have a slice of that, a slice of that one, a slice of that one, a slice of that one. And they'd fill your plate with the pizza slices. And once everybody at the table had all their plates filled, you flicked the disc round the green, uh, red, and off the, the pizza waiters went. They'd go to some other table. As soon as you'd cleared your plate of pizza slices, a few thought, you know what? I quite like some more pizza, and I'm a bit of a horse. I eat quite a lot, and I love pizza. It's one of my favorite foods. So you just, you just flick your disc back to green, and they come back round to your table, and quite often they have a different selection of pizzas. So you can just keep filling your plate and eating all this pizza until your heart's content. And then once you've had enough of savory pizza, you can put up a little... You can put up a little flag, it was like a miniature golf flag beside this disc. You just flicked it up. And this time when you went to the they flicked it to green, dessert pizzas arrived. And I'd never even had a dessert pizza before. But these other waiters would come with pizza which would have so instead of tomato sauce it had like, you know, caramel or white chocolate or milk chocolate and then it'd have like cookies or fudge or stuff on top. And it was just delicious. And you have as much of that as you want. And I loved it. One of the best restaurants I've ever been to. Now, why are we talking about pizza? So, for our good mental health and good mental well-being, we, we need to do these three things. We need to talk to people. We need to listen. We need to look and be aware. And that means trying to build up a really good idea of what are the things on my trail, on my journey of life, that do cause me difficulty, that do cause me to stumble. What, what are the dark places I sometimes wander into in my life? And trying to make ourselves really strongly aware of what they are. Whatever they may be, it may be struggling with peer pressure, it may be struggling with image, it may be struggling with expectations, it may be struggling on direction of what you want your life to be. So trying to figure out and get a real strong idea of what are the things on my trail of my life that are the dark places, the murky past, the bits where I stumble and I find hard. But also being very aware about what are the really good things. And who are the really, what are the really great things in my life that I enjoy, that make my journey fun, that make my journey enjoyable? What are those great and good things that I have? And who are those great and good people that are on this journey with me? And keeping a real good conscious awareness of them. Because it's great that, that we need them and it's good to go to them whenever we have these difficult times and they can help us through. So, everybody needs to be good at that. We all need to be good at talking, listening and being aware and looking. And in a sense... That's like every pizza has its base, its sauce, and its cheese. That's sort of universal to all the pizzas. But where pizzas take a bit of variety is in the toppings that you put on top and what you like. I love spicy kind of pizzas like you know, jalapenos, chorizos, pepperoni. And the people might be people here who go, oh, I would never eat that pizza. You know, someone might like a pizza which has mushrooms, sweet corn, pineapple, ham, and I might go, oh, that's a waste of a pizza. But you bite into it and you love it. And that's grand, because that's our uniqueness again, okay? And in the same way as that, we need our talking, listening, and awareness. The ways in which we cope with difficulty will all be quite different. 
For some people, maybe going and doing some exercise when you're in a difficult time really helps you out. For others, maybe going for a long walk on the beach just clears your mind. You love it. You're out in the fresh air. You see the sea. You see the sand. You see the scenery. And it clears your mind. Maybe you can pray to God when you're walking along. For someone else, a walk on the beach when something's bothering you, you might think, that would be useless. All I would do is walk the whole time thinking about what's bothering me. Maybe for you, you need to be distracted more by going, like, saying, playing a football match or watching a movie and losing that in your mind, drift into something else for a while to give it a break from what's stressing you out. Maybe you like to be creative. Maybe you like to, to read, to walk, to pray. Maybe whenever you're struggling, you like to be surrounded by people. Or maybe you just like one or two people that you're very close to. We're all unique, and God has made us that way. We all have our unique journeys and our unique things which help us through. But God wants to guide us through all of that. He wants to be the guide that walks through us in all of those moments. He wants to be our shepherd. He wants to be our pillar of fire, our pillar of smoke. And he wants us to understand that we can pray to him about anything and everything, no matter how big or how small we think it is, and to trust that he will find a way through. Maybe in a spectacular way, or maybe just through the comfort of somebody nearby. Or maybe by just putting into your head the idea of, do you know what, today I'm going to go and I'm going to treat myself to McDonald's and a walk on the beach with one of my best mates. That wee idea that at the end of it, you just feel, that was really good. I've, I feel so much better for having done that. And I'm a big believer that that's the way the Holy Spirit works in a lot of ways. I'll tell you one last story. My sister was in Belfast and she got a text message to her phone from her, one of her best mate's friends who'd been trying, or sorry, one of her best mate's dads, who'd been trying to ring her. She phoned him, and he told her on the phone that her best mate had just been found dead, passed away suddenly. My sister was devastated. She tried phoning my dad, because she just needed to talk to my dad. She was in Belfast. She tried phoning my dad. Dad wasn't answering his phone. This is back when dad only had just got a phone, and he rarely ever brought it with him, even though it was a mobile phone. And she's like, I don't know what to do here. She was walking back to her car, but she was in such shock that she could feel her legs starting to go. And she sort of felt, I, I need to go and sit down somewhere. And she walked into this little cafe and got in the queue and said, I, I need to get a drink, a sugary drink or something to eat or I'm going to collapse. And she was just devastated. She didn't know that my dad was also in Belfast and he didn't have his phone with him. And he was walking back to his car. And all of a sudden he just thought, do you know what, I'm not in a rush. Fancy me a cup of tea. I'm going to go get a wee cup of tea. And he's walking along and thought, do you know what, I'll nip in here and get a cup of tea. And he walked in, and the first person he saw was Katrina. And the first person that my sister saw when she turned around walking into this cafe was my dad. And she just burst into floods of tears and ran over to him. And then she said she burst into floods of tears, and she almost collapsed in his arms. And so he helped her to sit down. Someone else saw that there was something not quite right, and they served them pretty quickly, and they sat and chatted. And she told dad what had happened to her friend Cheryl. I believe that that was the Holy Spirit working in my dad's head. Just in the tiniest little ways. Sometimes we look for the Holy Spirit in those spectacular ways. But often I think it's in those little things where my dad's walking and a little notion pops in his head, I'm not in a rush. I will get a cup of tea. And then he walks a bit more and he's like, I'll go in here. And I think that was God guiding him. And God will guide you to do that for people. And God will guide people to do that for you. So let's make sure our hearts and our minds are open to that. Now you're probably sitting wondering, why on earth you give me a little printout of a pizza here? 
Whenever I do some of this talk in other situations, we make many pizzas. We can't do that, unfortunately, today. It would be good, but we can't. So what I'd like you to do is to take that pizza away from you, or away with you, and just write on it. What are some of the ways that are good for you to cope in those difficult times? What are some of the things that help you out? Maybe are there some things that you need to put on it which you don't do enough? Like prayer, like reading your scripture, like trusting in God? And also write on it some of the people who help you through in those different wee slices. And let it be a reminder to you of just all those good things and that good mix of things that God has put into your life that can help you through those difficult times. Alright, so thank you very much for listening. I'm sorry I've gone a wee bit over time, actually. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that anyway. And please do help yourself. Well, not help yourself. You have to pay for it. <laughs> but have some, have some tea or coffee and stuff. And, and do come and see us. And there'll be another seminar on tomorrow at 2pm. If you want to know any more about the big house and what we do, ask anybody in a blue lagoon coloured... Uh, I, I called it teal yesterday. Hoodie. And I got, I got corrected. It's not teal. It's blue lagoon. So... I blew the goon hoodie, and we'll tell you more about Big House. Um, big thank you to Chris uh, for running the seminar. Uh, just to know, for the next hour, this is just going to be a chill zone, uh, board game cafe, grab some games, uh, have some chats, uh, have some goodies. Um, there's also some creative stations that you can use. Uh, at the, our next seminar is at 4 o'clock. It is story writing. Um, uh, so if you are a budding writer in any way, uh, the drama guys play by ear will be uh, leading through that. So that will be a lot of fun. At 5 o'clock we have tea time talent. So if you have a talent, if you can tell a joke, if you can sing, if you can dance, if you uh, do a magic trick, anything that you think is a talent, uh, 5 o'clock. Um, and that will be on at 1 and 5 each day. But enjoy your afternoons.